This is Our People Podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hi and welcome to Our People Podcast. My name's Harry Newhouse, I'm a PR apprentice here at the Trust and will be the host for today's episode. This week we will be talking with some of our Army Reserves as we are joined by Gastrointestinal Research Fellow Dr Alexander Seeger and Trainee Advanced Clinical Practitioner Alex Cairns. Welcome to the podcast Alexander and Alex. Hi. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, Alexander, can you tell me a little bit about your roles as a Gastrointestinal uh, Research Fellow here at the Trust? Uh, So my background is that I'm a surgical registrar in East Anglia and I wanted to do some research as part of my training so I've taken time out of training to come and do that up here in the northeast. Uh, I work here in the trust with um, the in the research and innovation department um, uh, and my main job is to run a randomized clinical trial which is called Color Detect. And what that's looking at is uh, uh, using an artificial intelligence device um, uh, which is a little box that plugs into the endoscopy equipment, and it watches the um, it watches the endoscopy procedure and helps the person who's doing that procedure to identify um, polyps in the bowel. Polyps are little precancerous growths um, that we want to try and find and remove. Um, and so the idea is that it will help us find more of them and thus reduce people's future risk of cancer. We're running a trial to see if that device actually works in routine practice. And alongside that, um, I'm doing a PhD with Newcastle University, which sort of my work here feeds into the PhD as well. Um, so you mentioned a little bit there about uh, Colo Detect. Mm-hmm. Um, how, so how far through are you with that? Um, it's, it's quite a big trial, actually. It's, it's about 2,000 patients that we're trying to recruit. Um, obviously, we've had some limitations with, with COVID, but actually we're about halfway through. We've, we've, we've got to nearly 1,000, and, and that's doing really well that's testament to some some real effort from uh, all of the research nurses across the nine sites that uh, in England who are recruiting to the study um, and uh, and so we, we estimate we'll be finished um, about about March April next year um, and and hopefully have some some exciting findings and um, Alex um, what does your role as trainee advanced clinical practitioner entail so mine is also a long title as well but uh, essentially, I work in the emergency care directorate at South Tyneside and Sunderland. So, my role involves working at both sites in the emergency departments and the urgent care centres. And we see a wide variety of patients, um, adult children with a, a range of injuries, illnesses, um, and sort of see them, treat them, manage them in, in the same way that our doctors do. Um, in this new role that I've sort of joined in the last six months, I've taken on a little bit more of a senior responsibility, so I might be in charge of a particular area of A&E um, in terms of managing the queues and things. Uh, but we've got a really, really good setup uh, for our sort of emergency care directorate in terms of nurse practitioner and, uh, well, as it's known as emergency clinical practitioners now. Uh, so essentially you, you can come in as a band six and then you get upskilled and trained and you go into a band seven and then into a band eight where what is hoped is that you can eventually credential so 
I'll be starting my masters in advanced clinical practice in February. Um, so it'll be a three-year course, and I've got a large portfolio that I need to complete with evidence uh, supplied, so that I can eventually credential as a as a advanced clinical practitioner. Um, but we're really quite fortunate because our department has probably got one of the best setups in the northeast um, for training our practitioners. So we have nurses, paramedics. Um, we've got a really, really good training team there. So our consultants, uh, doctors, nurse practitioners all teach each other, help upskill uh, the staff. So there's some really good opportunities for them to develop their own skills, um, not just clinically, but even in terms of the leadership, management. Uh, and they've got a good support system. So there's lots of education sessions that can go to internally within our department, uh, but also externally as well and at university. So it is it is good. It's a very fulfilling role. And as, for that, even externally and internally, how would people like be able to use? Uh, how how would people uh, sort of get into get into that if they wanted to into this role? Yeah. yeah. So essentially, um, we take on paramedics, nurses, um, even physician associates, which is a different role, but. Essentially, it involves a certain level of clinical experience, which you gain over time when you qualify in your profession. Um, you then need to do your clinical skills course. Uh, that sort of is a, is a minimum, essentially. Um, after that, there's the opportunity, either when you enrol um, to do ACG courses, you're prescribing. Um, and traditionally, you know, once you get your prescribing your ACG course, you know, you'd be moving up um, sort of the bandings and things. Um, but yeah, it just it just takes it is hard work and it's but it, it is very good, especially if you're looking to develop um, professionally, clinically, and in terms of your leadership and management. You know, you see such a wide variety, uh, particularly in our role, and especially uh, with the pandemic, it's it's really been quite a quite a change and something we've not been used to dealing with. So everybody um, works really really well across the trust. Uh, in a team now and, and sort of tackling and tackling all the challenges that we've been facing. Brilliant. And um, alongside your jobs uh, here at the trust, you also give up your time to serve uh, in the reserve forces. Uh, how does that coincide with your daily roles here at the trust? And when did you both decide that this is the path that you wanted to take? I decided to join the army when I first became a surgical registrar, um, as I had uh, a lot of colleagues uh, who were either recently joined or were going through the, the joining process and so I just got chatting to them about what what um, what the army uh, involved really because it's something I was very unfamiliar with and the more I talked to them the more I realized that I had a skill set that I could offer to somebody else to another organization that you know that they would find genuinely useful that I could serve a different a different body of people um, and use my skills in a different way to what I did in my civilian career you know, there's obviously lots of overlap but there is also some, some distinct differences um, and that the army would um, obviously also train me to be able to deliver those skills in that different context uh, and that was the, the thing that particularly really appealed uh, to me because I wanted to remain quite general in my skill set rather than being you know, too narrowly focused um, and that means not just sort of surgical skills but um, sort of managing uh, medical problems in sort of more austere environments and, and so on and so forth uh, as well as gaining all the military skills which you know as well as being um, 
kind of interesting and challenging, also a lot of fun. Um, so I realised there was very much a, a, a two-way exchange. You know, I had something I could give the army, but the army could give a lot to me as well. In my civilian job, the main overlap really is um, particularly sort of leadership, management, organisational stuff. Um, the army does teach me some some new clinical things as well, which do help with my my career. But particularly um, in my current um, trial management role, um, uh, I have to um, be very very well organised. Um, and the army has a different take on that to a lot of civilian people. And the particular lesson that I think that stands out above all the others is um, actually an infantry um, infantry attack planning principle. Um, and that's concurrent activity at all levels is the way it's phrased. That means that, you know, don't just do one thing at once. Try and get as many people as possible doing as many things that they can meaningfully achieve all at the same time so that you make the best use of your time um, and productivity. Really? And same same to you, Alex. Uh, so I've been in the reserves, uh, I think it'll be about eight years now. So I joined when I was a second year student nurse and one of the main reasons I'd wanted to is when I'd... Uh, went into nursing I very much had sort of an interest in emergency and even pre-hospital care um, and this just seems like the ideal sort of opportunity to expand on that but also just to you know develop my leadership and management skills because I knew going into nursing there were aspects that I was really going to need to bring to the, the table and I think you know when you, you're studying at university and you haven't really had that life experience yet um, you want to try and get all the preparation that you can. So I joined the reserves, did the training alongside it, which, you know, it, it was manageable and, and absolutely doable uh, in my second year. Probably not in my third year. It was a bit too busy then to be doing that. But over time, I've just uh, sort of done a lot of work with 201, where me and Alexandra are based, but also in my own department as well. So the, the beauty of this is is that some of the, the training that I get um, militarily I'm able to bring to uh, our department. So I work on the major incident team with a couple of our consultants, with uh, some of our senior sisters, managers and things. And I'll take part in teaching them the, the CBRN aspect of training. So that's essentially things like um, decontamination of, of chemical biological patients, well I say patients but patients who have been exposed to a chemical or a biological threat um, and I can use the skills of what I've learned in terms of decontamination and, and teach the staff here but in line with NHS local and sort of uh, UK policies so it's really really great in that sort of sense so that I find that they tie in uh, really really well and, and for me the way that I work it is essentially this is I wouldn't say that um, bank job is the right word, but that's how I kind of plan my week and how I, I sort of tailor them both to work together. So I might go in on my day off to do some work that I need to do militarily um, in between my shifts. Um, but we've also got, which I'm just in the middle of planning at the moment, uh, we've got hopefully a, a clinical sort of weekend that we're hoping to put on uh, early next year for the for the trust and hopefully other trusts in the, the northeast so that we can do some joint training together um, particularly after the pandemic I think that there was a, a very good cohesion between the NHS and the military during that uh, so I think it will be quite good in the future to, to sort of increase that cohesion really. 
Because I, I suppose, as a trust, we are quite supportive and encourage our staff to get involved with the Army uh, Reserves. Because uh, South Tyneside and Southern was the first NHS employee in the region to achieve the Ministry of Defence is it employer recognition of Gold Award, which I believe is the highest badge of honour available uh, to those that employ and support those who serve, as well as veterans and their families. Um, so how helpful have the Trust been in helping you achieve uh, your own ambitions and commitments with, with the Reserves? Me? Uh, I can honestly say really, really supportive. Um, if I've ever put in a request never had any issues get, getting the time off uh, the, the the team in AD uh, have been really good the raw team and uh, certainly um, the senior managers are very supportive uh, because you know they they recognise that this is good for my development and I can bring some skills back to them but also as you say um, it is a really really good investment uh, and I think that you know in comparison to perhaps you know, I can't speak for other trusts across the country, but I certainly know colleagues who maybe work in other areas sometimes have a little bit more trouble getting the two-week camp off um, just because of time commitments or maybe they, they just haven't got the capacity to, to be away for two weeks. So they've been really excellent and, and very flexible, um, particularly if it has been last minute. If I'm already on shift, people are usually very willing to swap, which is, which is always very helpful and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, similarly, um, I've found the trust to be, you know, unfailingly supportive. Um, it's it's nice that you, you. I very much feel that the trust recognises that this is something that's important. It's not just like a hobby or going on holiday. It's actually, you know, this is a commitment that really means something, um, and that the, the trust sort of believes in the value of that as well. Um, so, getting the time off, for example, I've just been away for for two weeks on a course, um, and. I used my um, my special leave allowance for that, so the trust as a, a gold award um, uh, uh, armed forces covenant, I think, is the is the the agreement um, as a as a gold award sort of holder. They give serving reservists um, two weeks additional paid leave every year um, to go and do armed forces related activity. Um, and as Alex was, was saying, you know, some, some places, you know, will get m- maybe a week. Sometimes they might have more more difficulty, and any other time they'll have to make up using annual leave. But the the trust here gives you gives you a fortnight, which is or ten days, you know, and uh, and that's really really helpful. Um, and and similarly accommodating when that fits in your year. Um, again, you know, usually very flexible very accommodating and willing to sort of help you work around um, whatever other commitments you have to enable you to, to go and, and, and provide that service to the army because like Alex said you know they recognize that there's mutual benefit um, and, and it really does pay dividends to, to the trust to let you go um, uh, as well as to the, to the army and to you as an individual. And I suppose um, that you, you two especially will have done a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of activities uh, with the uh, reserves and a lot of other staff from this trust uh, will have done the same same uh, activities. So, cause, like for example, you've like recently took part in the Cataran Yomp, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, we did. Do you want to tell us a bit about that and uh, yeah, what happened? And... Yeah, well, um, that was that was fun. Um, 
definitely what they call type 2 fun. You which sure is, you want to use the word fun? <laughs> oh, you know, type, yeah, there's type it 1 was, fun, which is, you know, where you fun. enjoy it when you're doing it. And then there's type 2 fun, which is where you think it's miserable, but then it's great afterwards. Yeah. And this is definitely a type 2 fun. Um, the Caterinyomp, or Caterinyomp, I think it's supposed pronounced, is, um, is 56 miles across the hills of Perthshire. Um, and the idea is that you should complete it in 24 hours. And it's all to raise money for... Um, uh, ABF, which is a charity that supports um, soldiers, veterans, families of military personnel, um, with a variety of things like you know housing, social support, various other bits and bobs. Um, they're a great charity, and you know they do an awful lot of work. But the the ump was uh, I I got roped into it by um, someone in our unit who, who who just sort of thought, oh well, you know you're you're, you know, you're young and fit. I think he was trying to compliment me to persuade me into it so you, you'll be fine and um, and so we just kind of went for it really um, didn't really know what to expect my intention was just to just to finish it really because um, I thought this is, I've never done anything like this before um, but in the end uh, he persuaded us to, to sort of to, to run it um, and so off we ran and then actually we finished very successfully um, it was a real surprise uh, but but it, it was it was definitely a uh, a valuable experience and uh, and got you to see some great scenery as well. Was it um was it a team sort of effort or was it sort of you're you're walking and you go like sort of your own speed? It was a bit of both really, wasn't it? It was a bit of both, yeah. I mean I have done this before. Um I think it was about three years ago. It was before the pandemic. Uh, and I'd walked maybe done a little bit of jogging but walked most of it. Uh so I'd I'd not let in uh to Alexander sort of what he was about to be doing <laughs> especially when we decided we were going to run it uh, so why why run why not run instead of walk it gets done quicker but yeah we, we basically start as a group uh, generally and do the first you know it might be 10-15 miles together and then you break down into, into pairs and we always like to try and keep in a pair at least um, just so for safety aspects and things but um We've just got people who are varying fitness levels and it's just that little bit easier just to do that. So we'd started off initially, hadn't we, as a group. It was a, a particular, for Scotland, it was a particularly warm day. It was about 23 degrees. Um, and it, it was all day, um, blazing sunshine. I mean, absolutely gorgeous scenery. It was, it was lovely. Uh, but essentially you go to three different checkpoints. So you've got uh, silver, sorry, bronze, silver and gold. So bronze is at about 22 miles, uh, silver's 36, and then uh, gold, which was meant to be 54, uh, turned oh, out yeah, to be 56, 56 <laughs> so, yeah. because of um, there'd been a lot of trees that had been blown down, so we had to do a, a bit of a longer route, which I have to admit uh, might have broke me a little bit <laughs> when I got to the last 10 miles. But yeah, we um, just did a bit of a, a run jog run, I mean, certainly for the uphills I, I was walking, but the rest mm. of it I was just running and... and Alex uh, Ander did really, really good. Did for his first one, um, you know, he came third out of about 700 people. I think I came fourth, uh, which I wasn't going for, genuinely. It was just, it just happened. You know, I was jogging and before we knew it, we were kind of well along the way, weren't we? So. Well, I, I think, I think what, what happened was that because I didn't know 
how we were going to get on. It meant that I didn't push myself too hard, so I did better than I thought. I think if I thought there was a chance I was going to going to finish hard at the rankings, I probably would have tried to try to sort of go all out, yeah. and then why not have finished? So, but it, it teaches you a lot um, as well. You know, it's being a good experience. You know, you sort of yes, it's it's a thing about fitness, but actually, it's it's a bit about um, uh, resilience and teamwork and um, and kind of you know strategy and things like that. that was it was so it was. Uh, you think you know why would you why would you ever want to try and move that distance all in one go um and i have to say it didn't really appeal before i did it but um but having having done it i think it was it was very good for fitness but also for personal development okay and so were you at work on monday or was it one of the worst shifts i can't uh, remember actually i remember yeah, it took me about 10 days to two weeks to recover yeah um definitely <laughs> Yeah, the, um, but I think mostly I sit down at a desk most of the day, so it was all right. <laughs> yeah, I was a little, a little bit stiff getting up and walking about. I think most of the patients thought I might have been one <laughs> on when I was walking around. But you know, as Alexander said, um, you know, a lot of people will ask me at work, "Why on earth would you do stuff like this?" Um, and to be honest, we've both chatted about this before and said we do like a challenge. Mm. And you you really go into it thinking, I just this is not something I'm looking forward to or that I'm maybe even um, overly thrilled at starting, but it, you can push yourself to a level that I really think you wouldn't expect. I mean, I, I know that I've talked to the trust in yourselves about Cambrian Patrol, but I'll use that as an example. Um, you know, I, I think I carried 37 miles, about 45 kilograms of kit, and I just thought, absolutely no way. But a lot of it, this is mentality mm. rather than physical fitness, yeah. which surprises people when I say it to them. But you'd be surprised how far you can actually keep going if you just mm. have that that mental grit, and you just you have to just talk to yourself and put the negative thoughts away. But when you've been through and done the really arduous hard work, and then you come to you come to work, you can bring that with you to whatever situation you might face whether it be at work or outside or you know in other aspects of life because you think well not sitting in the pouring rain after 37 miles with no sleep <laughs> having carried all of this kit so it, it it does make you that bit more resilient um especially when you're, you're facing challenges yeah, and i so, suppose and i suppose in your line of like work that you could see something new every day and something could be uh, more, you might need a bit more. Like, oh, I need to do this. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we get taught a lot of clinical skills that, um, to be fair, as I've mentioned, our department we, we do a lot of really good training. Um, we do a lot of trauma training with two hundred one um, field hospital. Got some really really good um, people there, consultants, um, nurse practitioners, healthcare assistants, combat medical technicians regular servant soldiers from the infantry there's some really good people there and they are very good at sort of imp- passing on their knowledge to us and teaching us so you know we we aren't um, purely just I'm not saying just because it's more than a just but we don't go to 201 and work as a nurse and as a doctor we have to be a soldier as well so you know we, we learn how to treat a casualty in the middle of a, a contact situation where you're coming under fire um, you'll learn to deal with injuries that traditionally you're probably not going to see in the NHS 
Uh, and that's really useful because, as you've rightly said, sometimes you do get the unexpected and, and you think, right, well, I know I've been taught this and this is what I need to do. So um, it is very good in that respect as well. And it, especially with um, major incident aspects, we do we get a lot of teaching and training on that. So all of that is great when it comes to managing challenging situations, you know, um, especially when it comes to team leading and coordinating things. Um, the military are very, very good in that, and the the training is designed to put you under an extreme amount of pressure and see what your limits are and how you make decisions. And if you don't, maybe do the best decision. That's okay, but how can you do it better next time? You know. Um, so. Yeah, that's really true. Um, and and I, I think, well, I know one of the reasons that I joined the uh, the army reserves was because I knew that it would push me that it would challenge me um, and it would cause me to develop in ways that I probably wouldn't if I just remained in my civilian career it, it put me in situations that would demand skills that I knew I didn't have but that they would teach me um, and that's definitely made me a, a more capable more resilient person um, you know just personally as well as in my in my career and uh, so you mentioned that um the the yomp was uh, like raising money for IBF the i think it's is it the the national uh, charity for um for for soldiers yeah, um, yeah. The, the army's national charity, charity yeah. Yeah. yeah and um can people still um still sponsor you and for for what you did and yeah absolutely absolutely um, yeah we would um, would love any 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 money to go to the uh, um to the ABF whether it's uh, you know a few pennies or or lots of pounds um, we can probably put a link out somewhere. We've got a link to our team donation page because we, we sort of entered as a team. Um, uh, and so people could, could donate to us as a team or, or individually we can put links um, we can put links out that, that they can follow um, uh, and, and they should be able to um, you know, send us a little or send us a lot. We'd be very, very grateful. And um, so, for like for any staff listening uh, to this and maybe considering doing the same and joining the army reserves, uh, what advice could uh, like would you give the, uh, give to them to help them start their own journey? So yeah, um, I mean, I've as I say, I've been in the the reserves for a long time. Um, what I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about what you can get out of the reserves and what it can offer you because I, I think that's that's really important and and talk a little bit about what's expected because uh, I, I know a lot of people who come to join the reserves get a bit sort of anxious about the fitness element and other aspects and commitment so I mean in terms of the reserves uh, I've, I've gained so much out of it I've gained qualifications whether it be clinical um, adventure training for example so mountaineering qualifications um, being very fortunate I've been able to travel to a lot of different places on whether it be a medical research expedition um, overseas exercises to Nepal, Gibraltar, Italy. So, and with those um, sort of um, expeditions or exercises, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to gain qualifications and get paid for it, which is not something that you, you often come across. So, you know, when, when we go away, uh, we go away for a purpose. It's to either develop you or it's either to, to contribute to research or to help other nations in some way or some aspect. So there's a, there's a lot that can be done in, in terms of developing you clinically, but also if you're interested in doing other things that you maybe haven't tried before, the, the military can certainly help with that. 
In terms of joining, um, we've got a really good recruitment team. Um, a two-one, but the military have always got uh, the recruitment teams at each unit and you'll usually find um, some of them in the canteen here um, at other trusts they'll do um, local talks at universities um, even at uh, colleges and, and hospitals and, and other various sites and they're there to offer you that information if you're interested in joining and essentially what it involves is you will require a medical assessment to join um, sort of a standard you'll need to go through a couple of phases of training so you've got your, your phase one alpha and bravo which depending on whether you go down the officer route or the non-commissioned officer route uh, will be in essence of sort of four to six weeks of training before you qualify as a soldier and because you're in the reserves um, it, it is easy to work it around your shifts because you can choose to do a consolidated course or you can choose to do it over weekends there's only one one course, the, the Bravo course, that has to be consolidated two weeks. Um, which, you know, if you're with a trust that has a good reserve scheme like ours do, you get to 10 days sort of special leave, uh, which would allow you to go and do that. Um, and after that, once you've qualified as a soldier, it very much comes down to, I would say, and me and Alexander were just talking about this earlier, is time management is a big thing. So, you know, if you've got children, um, you've got a partner um, and a busy work life, sometimes, yes, it can be a bit challenging to juggle, but it is absolutely manageable as long as you're sensible and you plan. And you, whatever you put in into the reserves, you, you will get out of it. So if you have a busy few months planned clinically, you need some time to, you know, not be so heavy on the military aspects, then, then that's okay. Uh, that the minimum that you've got to do is 28 days a year and you get a 14-day annual camp, which, as I say, our trust gives you the time off where, well, I'm going to camp in September for a couple of weeks uh, to complete that for this year and there's mandatory training to do uh, alongside that. But it, it does have times when, yes, it can be a bit of a juggling act, but it's in, in the eight years I've been in, I've been able to do that and... Certainly, been given more than enough notice to plan activities and, and my work life around it. Yeah, um, I I very much echo all of that. Um, I think, probably, sort of practically speaking, the first thing I'd say is if you know anyone who's in the reserves, it's it's just start having a chat with them. Yeah. And the fitness, I know I get a lot of questions about um, the fitness aspect of when people are joining the reserves and. Yes, there is. There's an expectation. You've got a standard of fitness to maintain. It's it's the military. You know that has to be part and parcel of the role. But what I would say to anyone who's thinking of joining, um, it's absolutely achievable. Um, you know the standards are set the same um, for male and female now, uh, and I, I still achieve them. You know, and uh, and I mean not that anybody can say me, but I'm only five foot, <laughs> and I can I still carry and do the same stuff that Alexander would be asked to do for the fitness test. Uh, so it, it it is it takes a little bit of work. Um, you know, there's a fitness that you have to maintain, but it's not it's not something by any means that is out of reach. Um, we've certainly got reservists uh, who work here. Um, you know, particularly who've been in here for a, a long time. Um, some that are almost even nearing retirement age in our unit and they still um, do a, an incredible job of maintaining fitness and, and getting the targets so just please don't let that put you off I actually find that 
it helps me mm-hmm. with my fitness because it yeah. you know that the, there are the the unit provides opportunities to to help you get fit um and specifically to guide you in your your training to make sure that you can pass the assessments fine thank you very much alexander and alex for joining us and taking the time out of your of your day to speak with us thank you and thanks for having us here Thanks for joining us for this episode of Our People Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.